The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome you to Porch Talk. This is your host, Alan. And... This is a Skype call up to uh, Nashville, and I have Alicia Blue with me. Alicia, how are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, off work for the day, and uh, I get to do my passion. I get to talk to musicians. Nice. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about yourself. So were you born and raised in Los Angeles? I, I was born about an hour east of L.A., and... Um, college uh, my early college years is when I moved to the the big city of LA and uh, went to school in the valley and then it was towards my last year of, of college that I realized I wanted to be a songwriter <laughs> yeah so uh, where do you think that came from um well an incredibly deep obsessive um, love for artists like Bob Dylan and Joan Baez since I was younger, um, but I never thought I could do that. And then I met this soul singer that I actually like became his caretaker um, in my last year of college and was like, oh, could you teach me how to sing? <laughs> and that turned into um, using my voice uh, for my poems and creating, you know, three minutes of, of a song. Yeah. Right on. So uh, I have here that you originally wanted to be like you were in the jazz and you were aspiring to be a soul singer and uh, your mentor. Uh, that would have been Malcolm Clark Case Jr., right? Yeah. So that's he kind of he kind of changed the trajectory for you. Yeah, exactly. So I wanted to I wanted to be a poet. And then I met Malcolm, who was a soul singer. And I just probably for like two years, I just listened to music with him and listened, learned how to listen to music. And, um, I don't think like I make folk music and I write lyrics and, you know, no music's better than another, but for me, soul music and blues and jazz, um, are just like probably the most precious thing. I feel like this country is sort of birthed and, um, and so, 
that was kind of like my heart at first, but words were my heart before kind of, you know, that became it. So it was like words, then music and music in the form of jazz and blues. And then, okay, cool. So I'm a poet, so I'll make folk music. Yeah. I wanted to back up for just a second. As far as um, Bob Dylan, Joni Mitchell, Leonard Cohen, uh, how did you find those artists? Was like mom and dad spinning records when you were young or how did that go down? Not at all. Um, <laughs> uh, my, I actually would say probably funny enough, soul. My father loved my father. So I'm Mexican. My father's from Mexico. My father was listening to Sam Cooke to learn English when he was on the plane to fly to the U.S. to marry my mother. Um, and uh, he also was obsessed with Linda Ronstadt, which is, again, is like more soul music and um, her mariachi records, which were in Spanish. So I grew up with that. But um, when I was a young teenager, I had a boyfriend whose father was obsessed with Bob Dylan. And um, I think just before we got close, I had an uncle here, uh, or excuse me, in LA, um, that played The Hurricane by Bob Dylan. And that kind of, I was like 13, and I remember like reaching up, I couldn't even like reach the the, the CD player uh, to, to keep repeating that track from Desire. I think it's track one. And um, that was pretty obsessive for me. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so tell me a little bit about the, the authors, uh, Jack uh, Korich and Joan Didion. Uh, is that where writing poetry uh, and getting into that came from? Um, actually, no. Um, I mean, yes and no. So... My parents got divorced when I was like 12 and I don't even think I knew what I was doing, but I was writing little poems. I had no, um, there was no one I wanted to be like. I didn't read poetry. Um, I went to a Catholic school and there was, there was not like some, some poetry class or anything like that. And I don't remember studying poetry in grade school and so I started kind of writing poems, I guess, to get through that. I don't think I really knew I was. And I think I wrote them on like little pieces of paper and maybe my mom saved them. And then in sixth grade, my teacher gave an assignment to uh, like respond about like this, this painting of this like really forlorn woman with like a child. And she was clearly homeless. And it was like, let's uh, write a paragraph on like what this woman's feeling. And for some reason, like I wrote a bunch of stanzas that kept starting with like, I see, I see. So it was like, became a poem. So it was just, I have no idea why I did that. And the teacher didn't think I wrote that and like had to talk with my mom, which was funny. So I don't really know. And it wasn't, I wasn't rewarded for being like that. I wasn't praised. Um, but yeah, it just kind of came, uh, pretty naturally. And then in high school, my last year of high school, I had an English teacher who loved uh, art and poetry and who kind of saw something in me. And that's where I was like, okay, as a professional, I can uh, embody this. Right on. And so uh, would guitar be your first instrument? Yeah. And so did that start with uh, known? 
Is she the one who tells you? Nang, yeah, Nang uh, is a woman that I met, um, really, I would say, on the east side of Hollywood. Um, and Nang is a Thai woman that played all these American covers at these Thai restaurants. Nang was from Thailand. And I, um, in my time with Malcolm, had gone to dinner and she was playing at this restaurant and it was like James Taylor and Joni Mitchell and Carol King, Carol King and all these covers. And she was playing pretty impeccably and singing just like, like an angel really. And, uh, I approached her, asked her if she could, you know, because the finger picking was super like James Taylor style. And I approached her and asked her if she could, you know, lend some advice. Does she give lessons? And she actually couldn't speak English really at all. So that was stunning because she was singing in perfect English. And so, um, yeah, she, uh, she fucking became like one of my best friends for that period of time, took me to buy my first guitar, taught me how to finger pick and that's numb. Yeah. All right, and so the a quote that I have from Malcolm, and I thought it was very interesting, and I, it's where your name comes from, right? Your artist's name is, uh, what makes you so sad? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, I, um, I kind of like just calling back to when I told you I met him and was like, you know, uh, learning from him. I was like, yeah, can you teach me how to sing? And he was like, you do not want to learn how to sing. It's the hardest business in this world to get into music. You don't trust me. You don't. I was like, no, please. Like, you know, because Malcolm had toured with Little Richard and Jimi Hendrix was his band leader and like, you know, produced by Barry White. Like, I felt like I was sitting with the horse's mouth. So I was like, well, if I'm going to learn to sing, it's going to be from this somebody. Right. Like, that's where my head was at. And um, he's like, okay, well, go home and record yourself singing something and let me hear it. So the first thing I played him, he just looked up and was like, what makes you so sad? And I was like, fuck, I didn't even think I was sad. Like, do I sound sad? (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, that's kind of where that came from. Him here. Yeah. And so just as far as your songwriting process of, when I write songs, it, it typically starts with poetry as well, and then I'll come back behind it and add music. Is that typically how your process works? Yeah, it's super similar. Unless I'm co-writing, um, I'll have an idea, and I'll walk into a room, and usually they'll have you know, some flavors of ideas, and we'll find the one that fits the most. But when it comes to my own stuff, if I'm writing all by myself, I'll 1,000% uh, the lyric leads, the tone of the music, and the, and the music will follow. So I feel like I rarely meet people like you. So that's cool. Everyone. Yeah. yeah. And, I'm, I'm, you know, each person has their own way. And I've, I do ride around with friends, you know, like we're, you know, let's just say uh, they give you the word cigarette. You know, you mm-hmm. got to now use, now use the word cigarette in the song somewhere. Right. You know? And th- those are fun exercises, especially if you get like a difficult word or how in the world am I going to use that? Right. You know? Right. Uh, where, are you, where are you located, by the way? I'm in uh, I'm from a small town in Alabama called Kennedy. Oh. But right now I'm in Starkville, Mississippi. 
Oh, cool. Awesome. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, like just moving from here to there. Cause there, there are quite a few musicians here and it's, uh, it's been great to uh, get to know the art scene here. There's a lot of great artists. There's a lot of great poets and uh, Mississippi is just so rich. You know, you mentioned Sam Cooke earlier. I mean, just all these great yeah. uh, blues musicians, even Elvis Presley and, um, Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, so tell me a little bit about uh, when you started staking your claim. Uh, did you start it in LA, like playing shows and getting out? Yeah, a thousand percent. LA. Um, I love LA. I'm not there now for a lot of reasons, um, but uh, LA has a really unique and how do I say? Not adorable, because that's a terrible word for it, but it's really endearing scene on the east side. Um, and I started, you know, open mics on the east side of L.A. Um, not that long ago, really. And um, I feel like for the music I was doing, singer-songwriter and folk, the scene there is super indie rock and of course a giant pop scene. So it was really cool to kind of, I feel like I was at the, the first blossomings of what's now becoming more of a folk and singer songwriter and Americana scene there. Um, I fucking love it. Like just hearing from friends, even back home, like it just seems like it's growing larger and larger. Um, and uh, I never had that experience of leaving my hometown for college or anything like that. I feel like a lot of kids have that and they, they go to another state or another city. Um, but so me coming to Nashville a little bit later in my life, not right for college, is kind of like my little departure of, of my home, right? Like from LA. And I feel like it's super overdue. And so... Um, yeah, it just kind of, and, and I'm here in Nashville, which is super fertile and just so fucking nurturing as, as I'm sure, you know, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you know, I always hear it like East coast, West coast. It's, it's just so different. It's so diverse. Yeah. And I'm sure there was a lot going on as far as, uh, when you look back on LA life now that, you know, you're in Nashville and I bet that really helped like process and helps your growth as far as you know uh you mentioned you you needed to leave um so I, i'm sure like that was looking back now that probably draws out a lot of uh emotions and feelings and kind of helps the process yeah like a thousand percent yeah of uh, so tell me about uh how did you get hooked up with uh mr lincoln of uh cage the elephant um, I, I got my first manager in 2020 and he was like, you need to, you need to really like cut your teeth with co-writing. You need to like learn how to write. And where do you do that? You do that in Nashville. So this is all happening in LA, like these conversations. And so he sent my work to, I think it was Warner Chapel and they blasted out to like their people. And Lincoln was just one of the people that sort of bit for, um, writing with me and so I 
throughout the last two years, just kept taking these little trips in my little Honda, driving to Nashville from LA with my best friend and staying for a few weeks on end and uh, writing. And Lincoln, every time we wrote and we'd wrote, we'd write multiple times and everything we wrote was just fucking cool and good and felt sort of undeniable. Um, and there was kind of this wordlessness uh, between us in the collaboration. We didn't have to say much to each other. I, I think he called me before we met and was like, I don't fuck with lyrics, so I need to make sure you you can hold that down. I was like, well, thank God, because I can't have anyone fuck with my lyrics. <laughs> so it was kind of like, I make these cool, you know, musical beds and progressions. You know, you got to do your thing. And I was like, great, because I do this thing where I, to- I, I top line and, and I just need some holding for that. It was yeah. pretty, pretty glorious, yeah. So uh, the first EP, Magma, did you cut that while you were in L.A.? Yeah, that was uh, one of the first songs I wrote with an incredible producer, um, Eduardo Rivera. And uh, I was pretty timid. I I had not a lot of experience and um, had these little batches of songs. And we filtered through them. And uh, Eddie just let me be me, added, it's almost like, makeup that you don't you can't tell is there that's what eddie did to those songs and um yeah it was pretty magical for the first first thing i ever did is it is it something now that uh you know you're working on uh inner child work uh is looking back on magma is that is that still a work you're you're damn proud of oh yeah that song i i'm so proud of it um you know I feel like it's one of those songs in a lifetime, you know, when you, the moment you wrote it, that it was special. Um, yeah, that happens not very often. And, and it, and you, you know, it feels different because there's other songs that will have their own path. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the hefty renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Nothing be big and stuff, but... um. I'd never co-written with anyone when I wrote Mac. It was just all on my own, on my little guitar. I didn't understand, you know, music theory at that point. I was such a fresh baby. Uh, 
in that world. So it was really cool to have someone like Eddie on the other side of me go, oh, this is great. And then do what he did to it, which was just some incredible percussion. And I forget what the string instrument that he added. It wasn't, um, wasn't a ukulele, but I think it's a South American instrument. I, it's leaving my brain right now. Just like knew to add that where he added it and then created this like chimey, dreamy, uh, version of my song. Yeah. Yeah. And moving up to, uh, to now with, uh, saline waters and dog days in LA, uh, I've really thoroughly enjoyed those, uh, those songs of uh, lyrics are solid. Uh, but on top of that, like, I guess working with Lincoln Parish, like I, I hear some, uh, tones from, you know, bands i've been into for you know a decade and i can or or even but even like with your songwriting style like i'm very into folk music so it's like it's not just just a cool music progression it's also got weight when it comes to the words if that makes sense oh that makes me fucking smile because i feel like that is the best of lincoln and the best of me right like i get to and that's what i loved about working with them is he brought this sort of like bed and holding like underbelly to what I was laying on top, which for me, it's all about what I'm saying and how I say it. But it's funny, the fabric of what I was saying has some grit and darkness in it. And I feel like what Lincoln is and his influences brought these guitar riffs or these progressions that sound like, especially saline waters, right? Like that sounds like so many things that I feel like, rock bands from 80s 90s thousands like all in one and i feel like i remember when he hit me with that idea i fell in love with it but once it was done i was like whoa this is this is not a folk song right like i was like tripped out and he's like dude this is good and i was like okay like all right like i'm gonna i'm gonna i know it's good it's just what am i supposed to do i'm a folk singer how am i gonna how how's this supposed to go And then I brought it to my band in LA and like Jason Goldstein, who's a trusted confidant was like, of of everything I brought him, he was like, this is, this is special. And I was like, okay, like, (laughs) and then in on the release, it's, it actually seemed that one in dog days in LA, but um, sailing water seems to be everyone's favorite, which is like, not shocking to me, but like makes me smile because I actually had those lyrics like completely written with no music. And uh, it was cool when Lincoln presented the idea to like just kind of slap those on there that way because <laughs> it became what it became, yeah. Yeah, well, it's a job well done. Uh, something that stood out when I was uh, just reading through the bio and it's, it's something that I hear a lot, especially from a, a female's perspective is the uh, don't tell me to smile. Uh, is that something that happened a whole lot while you were in LA and even in Nashville or? Yeah, I think women, you know, in business or even as the song says, walking down the street, there's always this, especially when you're in front of a camera too, there's always this like smile, sweetheart, smile. And I think even as a child, you're, you know, I grew up, I was a dancer when I was a little girl and, oh, you got to smile when you're on stage. You got to smile. And I remember one time, uh, being doing a solo ballet performance, and I remember my 
dance teacher telling me to smile. And it was like this really deep, somber song. And I, I remember feeling an intensity and it wasn't smiling. It was serious and somber. And I remember feeling the music and it was like, why would I smile like on this moment? Right. Like it's not an unhappy moment. Right. And so fast. Yeah. yeah. So fast forwarding that even like, I feel like on the other extreme, like sometimes you're, you're not happy and in, in an, and even in your personal relationships, and so if the person on the other side of you can't really give you the space to just like work that out, might take five minutes, might take five hours. But I think we need to like cut each other some slack, to be honest, because if we we're not doing that, we're not going to move through whatever is not feeling good, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think about that right now with, uh, you know, just where we are maybe as a nation is, uh, uh, especially down here in the south um, you probably picked up on it quite a bit is uh how you doing and it's almost automatically doing good yeah i was like okay uh let me ask again and tell me the truth Ooh, i like that <laughs> yeah so i mean and I, I think like most people are being polite and then sometimes you'll have someone who's honest is like i'm not okay i was like well this is going to take a little bit longer than a hey how you doing so uh, mm. let's let's take a little time to uh, see what's going on that's right and so there's you gotta like you gotta pause and hold space for that and i think um i love that this is going to take a little bit longer i love that yeah and i mean we try to i mean i try to be intention intentional with people is like i wouldn't ask you anything that i didn't want the honest answer to even if you're just trying to be polite or yeah. say save time because we're just passing by or whatever else right but uh, yeah, i believe it's something important and another thing um i think it's completely natural to be depressed life is hard you know yeah. uh, it's, it's not rainbows and butterflies and i think being honest about it uh, it helps especially uh with a, a medium is in poetry or songwriting to where because you're being honest in your work that helps people connect with you yeah, I mean, exactly. I, I love what you're saying. And I feel like um, it's it's unfair. It's like nobody likes fake people, right? Like no one likes someone who feels scummy and fake and like, hi, and how you doing? Like, so we can't have that double standard where we're, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about acting like an asshole to everyone because you're in a bad mood either, right? Like, but I yeah, think they don't deserve have, that. <laughs> yeah, like no, by like don't put your shit on other people. But I think like if let's not have the double standard where it's like okay, I don't like fake people. I we teach our kids to be honest. So when they're honest, we need to respect that, and that's it. And it can be a moment, right? Like even if you're talking to the cashier, it's like, how are you doing? God, I'm tired. You know what? I can imagine you're tired. You've probably been working your ass off. And then there can be a like, thanks, man move on right like just a moment right like of honoring that yeah you there kind of lagging a little bit you right. good now I, I missed the uh yeah, I missed the last part of what you were saying. It lagged out on me. Uh, last thing I heard was, I bet you are tired. Oh, yeah. I was just talking about 
it can just be a moment right between you and the person on the other side, whether it's in public or private, like it doesn't have to be a long drawn out thing. Just honoring yeah. that with honesty and respect. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what are some of the plans for uh, the remainder of 2022? If you can call it, uh, you going to try to put a tour together for inner child works or what does that look like? Yeah, I think we're working on some L.A. and Nashville shows, and then um, I'll be starting the touring the record with a small tour opening for the districts at the end of fall. So end of, excuse me, end of September. Yeah, so in fall. Let me know when you're back. Right on. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I've got three more questions. Can you hear me okay? Is it lagging on my end? You're good. Okay. Uh, three questions to walk it out of the door. Uh, number one is where can people find your music? Just at Alicia Blue Music, uh, one word. Um, on Instagram or Twitter or uh, TikTok or Facebook. And then on Spotify, it's just Alicia Blue, uh, like the color A-L-I-C-I-A, um, or AliciaBlue.com for any um, extra stuff. Right on. Uh, number two, if you could play any venue, where would it be? Um... Like all time or like where I'm at right now? Let's, yeah, let's, I'll, let's do both. All time okay. first. Cool. So all time, I guess, I think if I was, mm, I'm trying to think of something far out. Right now, I'm just like my favorite venue when I was a teenager in LA was the Greek. So that's kind of like the hometown dream. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think like small time, like smaller. Um, I've seen some some heroes at the Wiltern, which is another smaller theater in LA. Um, yeah. All right, yeah, I've, uh, I love the rhyming you know, up there where you're at. Yeah, that's uh, one of my favorites. Mm. All right, last question is, what was your favorite part of this interview? Oh, good question. I loved when you were talking about um, Don't Tell Me to Smile, and I love what you had to say about, um, it, it sounded like a song, actually. You said, um ask something about like ask me how you're doing and okay now here's the real answer yeah yeah that was my favorite part of this well absolutely well you are welcome <laughs> thanks man Walking on
on white sand with my best friend Talking about when it's all gonna end Laughing when we realized it was bones, not sand Skeletons taking up a piece of dry land Are fossils from feeling no love Feeling like a superhero when I was Now I'm a stone just like the bones we thought were the sand Friendly is a feeling I never thought I would get
talking about when it's all gonna end? You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.